Hello, my name is Pastor Charlie Mitchell, and um, I'm actually the lead pastor, planter of Epiphany Church in Baltimore. Um, and so it's our sincere desire to plant a church in central Baltimore, so in inner city Baltimore, um, with the hopes of reaching people that nobody else wants to reach. And, um, and so that's our prayer, that's our desire, that's our motivation, um, that's our purpose. And so, man, we're really excited about what the Lord is doing, but we're also very excited that we have the opportunity to serve Imprint Church um, this week and bring the Word of God and also worship the Lord Jesus with you this morning. And so, uh, if you would, turn in your Bibles to uh, John chapter 6. We're looking at verses 22 to 40. Um, Pastor Kyle doesn't know me very well because he gave me a lot to chew up. And if he knows, I'm already long-winded, so that's not going too good for you guys. Um, but uh, no, nah, I'm just joking. Should go very well. I'm really excited about what we're going to be looking at this morning. We're looking at uh, John chapter 6, verses 20 through the 40, and I'm joining with you in your uh, series, Life in His Name, the Son of God and the Gospel of John. And so I'm really excited that we get to sit here and talk about Jesus. So John chapter 6. Verses 22 to 40. John chapter 6, verse 22 to 40. Uh, as you're looking, there's a reflection that I thought was interesting about this passage. Many of us are in this room are parents, and so we, we, you know, we try our best, especially as like a dad, we try our best to involve our children in projects around the house. You know, you try to involve them, and, and they're really excited. They want to be a part of helping you do the things around the house. So whether it's mom, they want to help you clean up or wash dishes while they're little, of course. And then, um, you know, the boys want to help get in there and help you fix something, build something. You know, just little honeydew things. It's easy because it's, it's, it's hard, I should say, because it's an easy job. But when you add them, it becomes a complicated task. So what went from a five-minute, 10-minute project now goes to this half-a-day thing where you're angry, you're trying to control yourself, you realize you're not as good of a parent, and you don't have very much patience, and all of these things, you're at a loss for words. It was just an easy, I just need to turn the screw into the thing, and it's not working no more because i got to involve these three knuckleheads. I mean, blessed children. And so, um, and so what we get from this particular passage is a lot of times when we look at the scriptures, we're the superhero. We're the good one. We're asking the right question at the right time. We've got the brilliant insight. Man, I identify with the smart one in this particular passage. Well, this week, I'm here to help you see that you're not that guy this week, that you are the little child that Jesus has to take extra time to explain something very basic. And that's a good thing because it reminds us that God is so patient and kind and loving with us. So look at um, John chapter 6, verses 22 to 40, where we'll see that Jesus is the bread of life. Here's what the word of the Lord says. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats 
from Tiberias had came near to the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you, were, you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he, gives, that he has given me, but raise it up on that last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on that last day. Day. This is the word of the Lord. And so as we're looking at this passage, uh, Pastor Kyle did an amazing job last week of just unpacking what happened just before this interaction with Jesus. And briefly, this was an amazing miracle that God performed, uh, and it's saying it here in the text, just a day before. What happened was they were having all these people follow Jesus, these great crowds, probably 15 to 20,000 people were sitting there waiting to hear from Jesus, hear the word from Jesus, but also they were struggling because they were hungry. They were poor. They were outside of the city, so there was no place to get food. And so Jesus comes along. There's a young, a young boy that comes along, and what Pastor Kyle broke it down real simple. He said the, the young boy didn't have, we, we think in our American mind, two loaves and a couple fishes. You know, and so we're like, okay, well, great. He had some loaves of bread and some fish, some filleted salmon, and so it's going to be good. Nah, he actually had what could be compared to a Lunchable. So the little boy had a Lunchable, a little snack pack, and uh, he's walking around because that's his lunch, not for everybody, just for him. And so Jesus takes what could be compared to a Lunchable, and multiplies that for fifteen to 20,000 people. Now, what was 
happening in that thing was after they ate all this food, there shouldn't have been any left. But there were 12 baskets full that were left. They had leftovers. So 20,000 people are leaning back on the grass with the itis. They're holding their stomachs and they're going, man, that was good. And so all of this stuff is going on. And yet here we get to this part. And they're looking for Jesus again. Why are they looking for him again? Because the hunger has arisen once again. And so Jesus begins to point out to them some very interesting things. They're on the search for Jesus, as we see in these early verses, verses 22 and following. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea, because Jesus left, they went to the other side of the sea, there was something crazy that happened. You got to go back and read it. It's like watching Star Wars. You got to watch the prequel before you see the trilogy and all of this. So he goes out. There's this crazy thing. He walks on the water, helps those dudes, and then he keeps walking. It's great. It's great. So verse 22, though. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there and that Jesus uh, had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near to the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. So they're on the lookout. You would think these is a, this is a passionate group because, man, all right, that was yesterday around lunchtime that Jesus hooked us up with some good food. Now it's, you know, it's 9 o'clock the next morning, and I don't know how your children are when they wake up, but mine don't say good morning very well. They say, can you cook us breakfast? What's for breakfast? That's the first thing that comes out of their mouth. I get very offended by this because I'm like, son, I gave you life. You are flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. Can't you say, Father, I am so happy to be in your presence this morning. It is great to greet you with glad tidings of peace and joy. How can I serve you this morning? You want a foot rub? Anything like that, Dad? Would you want some water? Nice, warmed up to 75 degrees? No, they don't say that. What's for breakfast, Daddy? What's taking so long? So the same thing is happening here. They're searching him out, looking for Jesus, and it could seem like a a deep-seated passion after Christ, but it's actually very self-centered. What does he say in verse 25? When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him very nicely, Rabbi, when did you come here? So we we watched how things transpired, and we've been looking for you, Jesus. Jesus answered them, and, and always in the scriptures, anytime Jesus says truly, truly, he's bringing emphasis to something that we have to pay attention to. He wants you to focus in on this. It's something like we say uh, around, uh, me and Trevor say it in the street, they say it, listen, for real, for real, I need you to pay attention. It's one of those moments where he needs to bring clarity to your situation. And so it's not truly, okay, all right, he's just talking. No, he's going, listen, pay attention. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the load. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him 
God the Father has set his fill, has, has, has set his seal. I'm sorry. Jesus has a power-packed statement in verse 27, which, will, will, which hinges a lot of this whole uh, 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 section on it. Jesus, Jesus stops him at the gate. Listen, y'all are going to church. Y'all are following me around. Y'all are doing all the right things. It seems like y'all are really looking after me. Y'all are passionate about Jesus, but you're not really passionate. He gets right past their initial their initial actions to the heart motivation behind their actions. You want something from me, but you don't want me. And for a lot of us, that can be, it can be easy to slip into that kind of pattern with Jesus. It can be easy to get into that kind of pattern because a lot of times, even the way we preach, even the way we share Jesus with other people, we present a, a remedy to the immediate problem and not eternal life. So what do I mean by that? Man, ah, you're struggling, you're sick right now. I know, you know what, Jesus can help you with that. And so our first entry point is a place in which God can meet us. And is God against that? Is Jesus against that? No, because he just saw he fed hungry people. So he's concerned about the issues that you're dealing with. He's concerned about the, 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 the struggles that you go through. He wants to bless you and to help you and to see your life thrive temporarily, but he wants you to get past that to you, so you, that you can see and enjoy him. He's the real treasure that we seek after. Thanks, son. I appreciate that. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs. What does he mean by that? What does he mean? When we look at the picture of him breaking the bread and breaking the fish and providing food for the people. It is a sign. It's pointing to something. Now, anytime we're getting directions and we see the sign says, turn left, we don't stop at the sign and go, man, this is great. I'm glad I got to the sign, and now this is it. This was all I needed to know right here. No, the sign is pointing us to a particular destination. What, we got, what they got caught up on was the particular sign. And what Jesus is saying is the sign was pointing to me. The sign was pointing to me. And so what does it mean that Jesus, that Jesus means that God has set a seal on the Son of Man? What does it mean that we should labor for food that, doesn't, that, doesn't, that endures to eternal life? What does it mean that we should not work for bread that perishes? Those are the three big things that Jesus is trying to help them to answer. He's trying to help them to answer these big questions that they're having because they're going, Jesus, I hear you with this stuff, but we're still hungry. So Jesus goes forward and he says something very controversial. I'm the bread of heaven. I'm the bread of life. That's what the sign is pointing to. And rather than them seeing him as the bread of life, they just got caught at fulfilling their hunger. It's interesting that this harkens back to something that we see in the book of Exodus. Harkens back to the point in the book of Exodus where God had rescued his people from Egyptian slavery. And if you know anything about the book of Exodus, 
the people of Israel wander in the desert for 40 years. And as they're wandering around, there's a lot of complaining. Now, many of us, would, we look at the Old Testament and we see the people of Israel, we see their grumbling, we see their complaining, and we would say to ourselves, man, if I had gone through that, I would have been much better behaved. I would not do the foolish things that they did and say the foolish things that they said. Um, but that's a falsehood. All of us would be among those people of Israel who would complain. And so what am I talking about? They get rescued. They walk through the, the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea. There is a pillar of fire that leads them everywhere they go. And even in the midst of the desert, they are still complaining, even though God has done miraculous things to rescue them. And so as they are out in the desert, hunger sets in, and they begin to complain to Moses and say to him something very specific. Listen, you brought us out here to kill us. We should have stayed in slavery where it was nice, it was comfortable, we were relaxed. Man, I know it was hard slave labor. Listen how quickly we forget how bad things were once we get rescued. I know it was rough, but at least we could eat at the end of the day. Now we're in the desert and we can't even get nothing to eat. And so they begin to complain against Moses. And Moses said, talks to the Lord. The Lord says, listen, I'll provide for you bread. I'll provide for you some bread for you to eat. Bread that you, you, you're not even going to have to work for. You're not going to have to plant no seed. You're not going to have to wait for it to grow. You're not going to have to harvest it. You're not going to have to mill it. You're not going to have to do anything. All you have to do is wake up in the morning and I'll provide for you bread from heaven. And, 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 and Moses even says in Numbers that as the dew fell in the morning at night, so was the manna there with it. So every morning, can you await? This is what my kids need right here. I need that manna every day to pop up on my, on my, di my dinner table. Because every night they would go to sleep hungry, sometimes hungry, but also wondering, will the Lord provide for us tomorrow? And when they opened their eyes in the morning, they could walk outside their tent and see that the Lord had provided all that they would need to cover, to, to take care of their families, to eat, so that they would be satisfied, and they would have the strength to keep going forward. So what, Paul, what, what Jesus is pointing back to is, listen, y'all are thinking about some, some, some bread that will satisfy you for a few minutes, but I'm the true bread of heaven. I'm going to eternally satisfy your hunger. You're looking for something that's temporary, and that's great and well and good, but that was to point you to a much greater reality that me, Jesus, I have come to satisfy you. And Jesus keeps having to say this. Listen, it's not that he has to say it one time. He has to keep repeating it, and you'll hear it again and again throughout the Gospel of John. Verse 48, I'm the bread of life. Verse 51, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. Verse 55, my flesh is the true food. So he's trying to help us to see, to reorient our mind, our thinking. Listen, y'all are late, working hard. You guys got up early this morning to come find me where I was. Just so you could get a little meal. But you're missing the point. Don't labor for something that's perishable. Come and find me so that you may be eternally Satisfied. So the masses of the people missed the, missed the whole point of what Jesus did there. We, all, we missed the whole point. And it's easy for us to do the same thing, that we can miss the point, well, God, you didn't heal me. 
well, God, what happened to my situation? Well, what about my job? You see how hard it is. I thought you were for me. What, what happened? And we can easily begin to see Jesus as a genie that we call upon when we need something from him and not realizing that he is what we have been longing for. It's not another relationship. It's not more money. It's not a better living situation. It's not more things. No, 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 no. All of those things are giving you this insatiable hunger that only Jesus can satisfy. So you become fixated on the gift and not the gift giver. They were excited about the bread as their pleasure, but not Christ as their treasure. Jesus is the treasure, and he keeps pointing out this reality. What does he say? On him God has set his seal. Labor for the food that endures for eternal life. Do not labor for the food that perishes. The Father has set his seal upon them. And look at the last clause of verse 27. On him God the Father has set his seal. I think this ultimately means that Jesus bears the marks of God because he is God. But more directly, it probably is saying that God has authorized him to do what only God can do. He can be the mediator to eternal life. He stands between you and your temporary situation and your eternal standing. Jesus would give his flesh for the life of the world. That's what we see in verse 51. He would raise people from the dead, John 10, 18, and he would give life to others. God gave Jesus, his son, the authority that only the Messiah would have. He pointed to his divine authority. Do you remember when Jesus was baptized and what we heard from heaven, what God said of Jesus? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my son, my beloved son, and he has the authority now to do what only God can do. So what does he mean by the food that endures? Food that endures. Every day we wake up and we go to work. We work hard because we're looking to satisfy our needs. We need clothes. We need a house. We need a car. We need these various things. And he's saying, man, don't get so caught up and wrapped up in these things that you have to pursue. You rightly have to work hard. You rightly have to be in position to get the things that you need to provide for your family, to be a good citizen, to love your city and your community. Those things are great, but they are not the, the highest thing. What does he say? Many of us are caught up in worry. We're worried. We're concerned. We have Jesus and yet continue to worry and concern. And the same things that the people of Israel were concerned about, man, Jesus, do you understand how tight my situation is financially? And all the while we miss that Jesus is there with us, that Jesus is the one who provides for us. And then lastly, he says in verse 29, let me read it for you. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the God, for on him the God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? 
What must we do? So, okay, Jesus, you're telling us you're the bread? It's cool. You're telling us that, man, um, that you, 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 you're showing us to some sign? Well, what, then what, what do we got to do to get this bread? What do we got to do to receive this bread of eternal life? So how do we, how do we access it? And, and what does Jesus say? Jesus answered them, verse 29, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. You would believe. Many of us have come from backgrounds where we know, man, if I, if I work for it, I can attain it. Most of us have been taught that our entire life, if you work hard enough, you can get it. And so we're looking for steps to access something. Same thing we see the people, of, the people asking Jesus. Okay, Jesus, you want to give us this stuff? That's cool. How do we access it? And we're looking for three steps. And all he tells them is something that's very counterintuitive. I need you to believe. I need you to trust that when days get hard, that I'm here with you. I need you to trust that when things get scary, that you are in me. Therefore, you have nothing to worry about. That's the hardest, most daunting thing that he asks of us. Is it, but what about if I go to church three out of four times a month? Is that enough? No, that's not it. What about if I gave and then, you know, and I gave enough money, will that secure my position? No, 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 that's not how you secure your position. Well, what, I mean, well, shoot, well, I'll go help them plant a church. I I mean, I'll do anything to make sure that, nah, you know what it is? I need you to believe. And this is God's will. This is his will for you that you would believe on him. And he says that, and that's so disarming to so many of us. Tomorrow you'll wake up and you'll be hungry. And there'll be complications that'll come along that'll test what you believe. Genesis 3 opens with a conversation testing what you believe. Did God really say that he'll provide for you? Did God really say that he was the bread of heaven, that he would eternally satisfy your soul? Well, your marriage don't seem to be working out like it should. Is he really good enough to handle all of that? And all as we look at Jesus in his interactions with people, what does he commend the most? Your faith in him. Look at this faith that they would believe and have not seen. Look at these people that believe, that believe me, that trust me, that take me at my word. That we would actually believe that he is the seal of God, that he has been sent to satisfy our deepest longings, and that we don't need to supplement it with something extra to make sure that Jesus is enough. And look, verse 30, here's where we show up again. Listen to their question. Listen to verse 30. So they said to him then, what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? So just last week we talked about, now it's been a week for us, but a couple of days for them, a day. So do y'all, I mean, I'm a, if I was Jesus, again, 
Y'all remember that Lunchable that uh, and what happened with the Lunchable last yesterday? Do you still not believe? It's like me with my children when I ask for a tool that's right at their feet. Listen, can you can you give me the screwdriver? It's right there. Where? Can you give me the screwdriver? It's right there. I don't. I, I can't see it. It's r- like listen. I'm telling. If you just follow my finger, follow it straight down to your feet. It is right there. I don't see it, Daddy. I I just don't see it. And exactly what we see in little children is what we see right here. Well, show us another sign then. Cold word for, well, can you get us some more bread? All this eternal life stuff is great, cool. I ain't worried about that. I'm trying to get through today. Trying to get through today. What sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? And they quote scripture. Do you catch that? Look at verse 31. They quote scripture. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So I know you know the scriptures, Jesus. I know you're a great teacher. And listen, we would like just another one of those kind of signs. One of those kind of miracles. You know, Jesus, I trust you and everything, but, you know, I'm struggling with my job right now. Can you figure that out, and then we'll talk about eternal life? Jesus said to them, Jesus then said to them, again, verse 32, for real, for real, I need y'all to pay attention to me. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but the Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Stop where you're at right now. Listen to what I'm saying. Jesus is going, no, you still see me as just a man who can do cool things for God, but you do not see me as the one who provided the food for you. You do not see me as God. You do not see the picture here. You're still missing it. You're still looking around at your feet going, I don't understand what you're talking about. You're still walking around in circles. You're caught up in the fact that Moses was able to talk to God and God bless and provide bread rather than seeing that I am the bread that God sent. Verse 33, for the the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So forget all of this thinking that you need to have a mediator, that you need to do something, that there's another step, that there's somebody that can stand in the way and that can gain you access. If I would just talk to Pastor Kyle, he can get a prayer into Jesus so that then I can get access to this thing. If I could just do these certain three steps, then I could, no, 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 no. You've missed it. It's Jesus that you need. It's Jesus that you need to trust in. It's Jesus that you are searching for. It's Jesus that the one who satisfies your hunger. It's Jesus that that satisfies your thirst. Verse 34, they said to him, sir, give us this bread, always. In verse 35, he goes on to say this. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. They're so caught up in the moment that they cannot see Jesus. They do not see that the very thing that they're longing for, 
Friends, family, listen. You are going to share the gospel with people. You're going to meet people. And the more you point them to Jesus, the more they're going to point you to something else that they're looking to satisfy their soul. You're going to beat your head against the wall because you're going, man, like, listen, no, Jesus is it. No, but, but listen, if I had Jesus and a, good, a better wife, a better husband, better children, a better home, if I had Jesus and a little bit more money, then it would be all together. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread. Whoever comes to me, whoever trusts me, whoever believes in me shall not go hungry. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. It's not, it's not that you're not going to get thirsty tomorrow because it's hot. It's not that you're going to go to the artscape and walk around and you're not going to get thirsty. No, that's not what he's talking about. But your deepest longings, your deepest identity issues, the deepest things that you, were, you wait, lay awake at night worrying and, and wondering about, he says, I take care of those things. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Jesus could have done a thousand miracles, and they still wouldn't believe that he was all that they needed. And for us, we have to be reminded that at the core of all things, that Jesus is all we need. Jesus plus nothing, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We don't need anything else. He satisfies all those things. And then he gives us a consolation and a guarantee on the backside. This is why I love Jesus so much, because even though we can't figure it out, he's got it figured out on our behalf. Isn't that how we do it when we're working with our kids? They think they know everything. They think they got it figured out. And even in spite of them, we still work it out on their behalf. And what happens? They get the credit for it. Look, Mommy, look what I did. Look, Dad, look what I did. You know, you're right. You did something, but I'll give you the credit for it. Look at what he says in verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on that last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on that last day. Listen, listen, listen. So y'all are so caught up in this. Listen, I re God realizes he had to work around us to work for us. So he goes, listen, y'all ain't going to get it right. That's okay because I'm going to come after you and then you're going to come with me and then I'm going to take you all the way to the end, okay? So listen, you, you're, not gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna struggle, you're gonna day in and day out, you're gonna wonder, and you're gonna have worry and doubt. And listen to this, all that the Father has for me will come to me. So I'm going to preach, your heart is going to change, and you're going to desire me. You're going to be hungry, and you're going to say, you know what, I don't know what else there is. Many of us have had moments like that. Some of you in this room will probably come to faith like this. I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to say. But Lord, if you're there, please help me. And your heart can't change. He says, so, okay, so the Father is going to do the work on your behalf that you couldn't do. All right? And whoever comes to me, I will never cast him out. So God, will you, will you get rid of me? Do you know the dirt that I've done? Do you know the things that I've committed? Do you know the... No, 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 no. If you come to me, if you trust me, if you trust me, even to the point of trusting that I will receive you 
even though you don't believe yourself. Many of us came to faith going, man, I, and we walked, through, we walked through our Christian walk going, I don't even know if I really believe this. We question ourselves and wonder, man, every day is the foundation under my feet solid enough to handle the weight of the issues that I'm dealing with. For I, listen, listen, and whoever comes to me, if you trust me, if you believe me, if you walk with me, I will never cast you out. There's nothing you can do to lose it once you got it. I, no, you're in me. You're secured. And then he, he goes on to say, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So the God in heaven stands back, and his will was that he would receive you, that he would grab you from the brink of death and destruction, that he, you were, he was sent to satisfy your soul. He didn't come to bring you no rules. He didn't come to bring you no new laws. He didn't come to bring, he came to rescue you because he knew you couldn't rescue yourself. For I have come down from heaven. I have come down from heaven. This isn't temporary. I've come down not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. That I should lose nothing of all that he has given me but raise it up on that last day. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Because what happens is hunger comes, pain comes, trials come, tribulation comes, and we begin to wonder and question, is he with me? Well, can he handle, does he know what's going to happen in the future? Does he know what's going on? And he says, no, 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 no. This is not that kind of hunger that keeps repeating itself over and over again. This is a hunger that, that just, you, you, you continually are filled, and I will take care of you all the way until the end, all the way until the end, that I should lose nothing. Not one can slip out of my grasp. That's a, man, that's a great consolation for us because we, all of us think we are the exception to the rule. Our marriage is the exception. Our financial issue is the exception. Our children are the exception. Our cities are the exception. Our families, our extended families, our mothers, our fathers, everything that we've gone through is the exception to the rule. And what Jesus says is, nope, not even one can get out of my grasp. I handle it all. Verse 40, but raise it up on that last day. Verse 40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on that last day. That even after you're asleep in Christ, even after you've long gone, today I stand here, and last week I got the news that my aunt passed away. Twelve years ago I got the news that my uh, mother passed away one Monday morning in, during the summertime. I was 13 years old. I got the news that my father passed away. All of these things. Are they outside of the scope of God's satisfaction power? Are they outside of his eternal love and closed hand? Nope. On that last day, they will be raised up and enjoy the feast that God has set before them as well. So even, even, even in, in our going to sleep and dying in this life, we are still not outside the great grasp of God. 
So whatever situations you may face today, listen, do not seek to satisfy it with some temporary, uh, 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 short-term solution. It won't fill you up. But I encourage you today to believe and trust in Jesus, the, the bread of life, the eternal life. He will satisfy you in whatever situation you may have. And even when you close your eyes and wake up in eternity, as one of my neighbors did this week, listen, you will wake up in glory and you will be able to enjoy the presence and love of God for all of eternity. Amen.